the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, March 29th, 2022, the 433rd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Before we get started, I just have to once again give a shout out to the great American hero, Mike Lindell. I am on the MyPillow team now, and I could not be more honored to be a part of an organization that is committed to America and to American workers. So if you do not have any MyPillow products and you find yourself needing some towels or some slippers or some sheets or a mattress topper or, of course, some new MyPillows, go to MyPillow.com and in the checkout, type reasonable. They always have lots of sales going on. You can get up to 60% off their normal prices. And if you order, you will get a free gift, which happens right now to be the book about Mike Lindell's recovery from addiction and his path to building a great American company. So go on MyPillow.com, type in reasonable as the promo code, and you're all set. You'll be helping me. You'll be helping a great American company and Mike Lindell as he tries to fix the fraudulent 2020 election. And you'll make your home that much more comfortable. So just to start out a quick update about some of what we were talking about yesterday as far as the Oscars go. So they released the Oscar ratings at some point in the afternoon yesterday And the initial numbers I had seen and heard sound like they're about right. It went from around 9 million viewers, which was going to be the smallest television audience to ever watch an Oscars telecast, to around 15 million before the end of the show. So the slap was worth 6 million viewers and 100 million memes. But consider how big that audience is. Tucker Carlson gets like 5 million viewers a night. The Oscars couldn't even double like a Tuesday episode of Tucker Carlson. And they are supposed to be one of our big cultural moments. If you've been listening to the show for a little while and you heard my episode after the Super Bowl, I mentioned in that episode that I thought we had reached the pinnacle of cultural decadence and that We would stop seeing displays 
that stupid and low brow because people would be tuning them out. We've kind of been under this assumption culturally that all of these things will just keep increasing in size and importance as they have over the last three or four or five decades. These events had reached a level of cultural importance where you would just assume that anyone you talk to out in the real world would have familiarity of exactly what happened, that they had watched it live or at least had heard about it constantly. And of course, there's the occasional television phenomenon like Game of Thrones or something where you have the same effect. But that monoculture is breaking down. And that was part of why I said what I said after the Super Bowl. There's no way this stuff can keep going on. It is not actually appealing to anyone out there. I mean, I said after the Super Bowl, the game was fine. The game was fine. It's a football game. Football can still be enjoyable to watch. But everything else, particularly the commercials and the halftime show, are just examples of an utter degradation of society. And I think the Oscars the other night were the perfect example of that degradation continuing. The high point has been reached. It's all downhill from here. No one cared at all until Will Smith slapped Chris Rock for making a pretty obscure joke about a 25-year-old movie and Will Smith's wife's head. And whether the slap was real or fake, that's all anybody has talked about since. Seems no one really cares who took home which statues for which movies that no one watched. Now, I'm not in Hollywood, so I'm not hearing chatter about different movies, but I swear I had no idea that Will Smith was even nominated or even in a movie. I had not heard of that movie. But yet it's very important that he won his little statue. This is supposed to be high culture, though, in America, is it not? We used to respect movies as an art form. And to the extent that they were an art form and the people making the movies were artists, having an awards show for that was kind of a good way to show off art and bring attention to the high points of American culture. But that's all kind of faded away between the wokeness in the academy, the wokeness in the movies, the fact that so much is available at home, and the fact that a big portion of this country does not want to see Hollywood actors lie to them in propaganda films anymore. I know I don't. And of course, the mainstream media picked up on chatter around the internet and decided to claim that very dangerous QAnons were thinking that the slap was not real. It was a distraction for this or that. Well, I don't know if the slap was real or not, but I do know that that story absolutely was a distraction, kind of clogged the airwaves for a day. But there's another interesting point that people have brought up in the last 24 hours. So Pfizer, BioNTech or BeyondTech or however you say it, people say it in so many different ways. They sponsored the show like you would come back from commercial and the screen would say BioNTech, Pfizer, the Oscars. 
And it turns out that Pfizer is on the verge of releasing an alopecia medication called Ritlectinib. So how convenient. What a happy accident. What a lucky occurrence. What a charming coincidence that Will Smith went up on stage to assault a comedian for making a joke about alopecia on a broadcast sponsored by Pfizer. Pfizer, we haven't killed you yet, but there's still time. Now, switching subjects to another thing we talked about yesterday, Joe Biden returned from his European vacation that was an absolute unmitigated disaster to answer questions from the media. And pictures have come out since his little press junket of the prepared notes, his note card that he brings with him to the podium. It has questions on it and answers because the people in control of Joe Biden don't want any more mistakes that they have to clean up. His card actually says tough Putin Q&A talking points. This is going to be a tough Q&A. So he needs the talking points. He's going to get very tough questions like, hey, why are you saying all those things you're saying? And then why are the other people in your fake administration pretending you didn't say them? And here's what the card said. Here are the questions and answers. The first tough Putin question is, if you weren't advocating for regime change, what did you mean? Can you clarify? And of course, most of the reporters were more than happy to stick to the script by asking him the questions he was, you know, prepared for. Joe Biden's answers. I was expressing the moral outrage I felt toward the actions of this man. Okay, so you're saying that your emotions got the best of you? Is that what we're supposed to believe from this? You said over and over again that you're not walking back your comments and neither is anyone else in your administration. And we'll get a little more to that in just a second. But saying that you were speaking out of emotion, that you were expressing moral outrage is not a good answer. If you are the president of the United States, and it's clear that Joe Biden is not, but if you were the president of the United States, let's say, responding that you were just speaking emotionally on foreign soil about the potential for World War III, well, that's the sort of thing that might lead someone to believe that you have none of the necessary tools to do the job you were put into the position of fake president to do. You're expressing your moral outrage in claiming that the leader of a nuclear armed country should be removed from power. He cannot remain in power. He also had another bullet point on his note card that says, I was not articulating a change in policy. Of course, what he articulated actually would have been a change in policy. It's just not a change in policy now that we have to walk it back. And the second question on there is about something Emmanuel Macron said, and 
the concern that maybe there was some fracture in the NATO alliance, that they weren't all on the same page. And Joe Biden's response in the bullet point was no. The NATO alliance has never been more united than it is now under my fantastic leadership. And Macron is kind of coming to the fore on some of this stuff because the global communists know that there is an upcoming French election and they are trying to bolster Macron's public image so that he can be taken seriously by the French again. I mean, they've had street protests for months and months over the COVID stuff. So you can imagine that savvy French citizens are waking up in the way that many Americans are. So you've got to make Macron look good with stuff like this so that everybody forgets how terrible he actually is as a leader and how committed to the global communist agenda Emmanuel Macron actually is. So the big moment in the press conference yesterday was when Fox's Peter Ducey stood up for this exchange. Are you worried that other leaders in the world are going to start to doubt that America is back if some of these big things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back? What's getting walked back? It made it sound like, just in the last couple days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia, and we know... None of the three occurred. None of the three occurred? None of the three. Mr. President? You, you, You interpret the language that way. I was talking to the troops. We were talking about helping train the troops in that are the the Ukrainian troops that are in Poland. That's what the context. I sat there with those guys for a couple hours. That's what we talked about. So when you said you're going to see when you're there, you were not intending to I was referring to with meeting with and talking with the uh, Ukrainian troops that were in Poland. And when you said a chemical weapon use by Russia would trigger a response in kind. It will trigger a significant response. What does that mean? I'm not going to tell you. Why would I tell you? You've got to be silly. The world wants to know. The world wants to know a lot of things. I'm not telling them what the response would be. Then, then Russia knows the response. So the things that he said, the things that people saw and heard with their own eyes and ears, those didn't happen. So he's actually not walking anything back. Was he talking about on Friday? how tough the Ukrainians are, how brave they are, how they would stand in front of a tank. That's what he was saying. I haven't seen that footage yet. In fact, I haven't seen anything like that since Tiananmen Square. But maybe it happened and maybe that's what Joe's talking about or he's just making it up. Maybe standing in front of a tank is the bravest thing you can do. And he wants to tell everybody that the Ukrainians are the bravest people to ever live. So perhaps someone really stood in front of a tank, but that is what he said to the troops. You will see when you're there. He was talking about how brave the Ukrainian people are. There's absolutely no doubt about it. You just have to listen to the clip. Was he talking about the U.S. troops seeing how brave the Ukrainian people were while training Ukrainian troops in Poland? Because that's what he just explained. There's no way you could possibly get that from the words, but hey, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe somehow that was real. 
Maybe they have an exercise that the U.S. troops run the Ukrainian troops through in Poland about standing in front of a tank. Maybe they have their own game of chicken. One tank versus one human. The winner is whoever lets the tank run completely over them. I know it sounds crazy, but it's actually really brave. You'll see when you're there. So that's the first one. And then the second issue that Peter Ducey mentioned, the second thing that the Biden fake administration walked back after the fake president said something stupid, he was asked what the United States would do in response to a chemical weapons attack by Russia. And he said, we'll respond in kind. Now, responding in kind means that you are going to do the same thing that was done to you. If you get punched in the face or if you're a comedian that gets slapped in the face, for instance, responding in kind would be slapping the other person in the face. It wouldn't be, for instance, imposing sanctions on the Russian people. And it wouldn't mean that you have some secret trick up your sleeve that you're ready to play if the Russians go that far. And even though Joe Biden has said, even though he wasn't supposed to, what the Americans are going to do at every single stage of this, who if they advance further, we're going to put in sanctions. If they advance further than that, there's going to be more sanctions, the heaviest sanctions ever. It's going to work as a deterrent. And Vladimir Putin will see that we mean business. And when he sees that we mean business, well, that means that he's going to stop. Oh, I guess he didn't stop. Now he's gone into Ukraine. We're going to impose more sanctions. And then we're going to talk about all sorts of things. We're going to talk about maybe sending planes, but we're not going to do it. We're definitely not putting U.S. soldiers into Ukraine, but we will, you know, use our intelligence community. We will hire foreign mercenaries and we will arm the Nazis there. And what happens if Vladimir Putin uses chemical weapons? Well, we're going to respond in kind, but we're not going to tell you how. So if there is a chemical weapons attack in Ukraine, it was definitely Vladimir Putin. And now we have the right to use chemical weapons in return. Or maybe we'll use nuclear weapons because that would be responding in kind, too. I mean, it wouldn't be, but we can call it that. And so according to the fake president and the fake administration, that was not a walk back of what Biden said. They're just correcting the record because all of us were too stupid to understand. We went and twisted his words into their actual meaning. And that actual meaning was wrong. We need to give you our meaning, the new meaning of these words. The meaning of words can shift whenever we want it to. Like check out just last week. We told everybody that we don't know what the definition of woman is. During Women's History Month, I personally, I don't even know who to celebrate now because I'm not a biologist. I've been trying to find who to celebrate for Women's History Month for the almost the entire month, and it hasn't worked because I'm not a biologist. And I also have no idea how to celebrate them without offending them. It's a real catch-22. And it's just another insult from the patriarchy that during 
Women's History Month. We don't even get to celebrate women because we don't know who they are anymore. That's the patriarchy that did that. And then, of course, we had to be corrected about the fact that Biden was not actually calling for regime change. It says he wasn't on his card. And Joe Biden read his card during the press conference. And that means that the thing we all saw and heard just didn't happen. He did not call for regime change. He was just expressing his moral outrage. And so I'm thinking about this and the pattern that's emerged with the fake administration of saying something and letting certain people react to that and hear that and believe that and then scaling it back for everyone else so that there's no definable answer, at least from the administration, on what's happening or what they're doing. We don't actually know where they stand on any of these three issues because the fake president said one thing and then the fake president and his administration have now presented the opposite viewpoint from the thing he said. And you would think that this would present a problem for them. Maybe it would point out the level of hypocrisy involved in everything the fake administration is doing. But that would only be true if a media was present to show people what was actually happening, to show people both of those things. But they're not doing that. You'll only get one of those two things, one of the two answers. You'll either get the thing or its opposite, not both, even though they've presented both. And by you in this case, I'm talking about a person who is still addicted to the central narrative and still getting their information one way or another from the mainstream. They're only getting one half of every one of the stories, and they can actually choose which half to believe. If it upsets you that Biden called for regime change in Russia, well, you should know that he also didn't. And if you're happy that Biden called for regime change in Russia. Well, there's plenty of support to why that was a great idea. And we talked about that yesterday. They're basically allowing everyone who gets information from the central narrative to believe in whichever world makes them happier. And in doing this in a very real way, they are creating a second world. And they've been doing this for a very long time. There are two entirely distinct modes of thought about almost all of this stuff, because a big portion of this country, the entire portion that voted for Joe Biden and doesn't regret it yet, they don't know anything true about any of these issues. They're the sorts of people who posted the videos of the ghost of Kiev and all the other video game footage that they were fed. They believe Ukraine and its citizens are standing up to a Russian invasion valiantly. They believe that the Nazi problem in Ukraine is just some fringe and that Vladimir Zelensky is not involved with the Nazis. It's not the Ukrainian government directing the activity of those Nazis. The Ukrainian government was elected in a fair and free democratic election. And maybe the government was overthrown in 2014, but we don't know who did it. And we don't know anything about the government that came in there. Like, were some of them members of Svoboda? Were some of them actual neo-Nazis being put into the official Ukrainian government as approved by the global world order? Well, yes, but they don't know it. 
They're all convinced that Vladimir Putin is trying to destroy a nation, kill all of its people, and then steal that land to reform the Soviet Union. And so they change their profile pic to Ukrainian flag. They talk about how important it is to stop Vladimir Putin. And they encourage more arms deals so that weapons end up in the hands of the neo-Nazi militias that are actually doing the fighting against the Russians in Ukraine and against the citizens of Ukraine and staging all of this nonsense that gets blasted out to the world through Western media. Those people are also the ones torturing prisoners of war. And those videos made the rounds over the weekend as well. Apparently, Russia has captured those Nazis who were perpetrating those war crimes. And we'll see how that goes. But there are two worlds. One is the real world where the events on the ground are knowable and we can actually see them. We can see that news. We can find out what's going on there because there are independent journalists in Ukraine trying to get that news to us. And there are foreign governments trying to get that news to us as well. Now, is it dangerous to trust what foreign governments say and put out? Of course it is. But it's not any more dangerous than seeing what our own government and the Western allied governments are putting out because they're all doing the bidding of the global communist order, which is why they're all telling the same story, even though that story does not map onto reality at all. And that is the second world. The story they're telling creates an entirely different world for everyone perceiving it and believing it. And that world comes with incentives for belief. The power structure wants people to believe that story. So it incentivizes belief. You will be cheered on by your peers. You will get to appear as though you agree with celebrities. You are their peers as well. They might even like one of your posts on Instagram or Twitter. And what a day that will be. And every bit of culture and media that you consume will reaffirm your belief, your self-righteous belief that your world is correct. Your story is correct. And the way you are acting within that world is the right thing to do. You are morally good for changing your profile picture to a Ukrainian flag. You are morally good for hashtagging stand with Ukraine. You are morally good for rationalizing Nazis and America, American tax dollars being spent on armaments that are then sent to those same Nazis. All of that is good in the second world because in that world, the Nazis are a necessary evil because Putin is the real threat to the entire world. It's not Ukrainian biolabs. It's not Ukrainian Nazis. It's not the civil war that's been ongoing for eight years as Ukrainian Nazis attack ethnic Russians in the eastern part of Ukraine in an ethnic war because they want to eliminate them and then attack Russia. That's not what's happening. So the fake president and the fake administration and the people who are running the fake president and the fake administration actually don't care about hypocrisy. They don't care about the truth and they don't care that they're lying to you. They will try to tell you some version of the truth and a lie 
right alongside each other so that you can choose which one you want to believe. Is regime change necessary in Russia? Well, in the false world, it absolutely is. Is regime change necessary in Russia, but Biden shouldn't have said so? That's a yes in the false world, too. Or a no. You get to choose. Was it bad that Biden said it? You don't know? Well, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you agree that regime change in Russia is necessary. They don't actually care what you believe at all, as long as you are fully in the false world, the false reality that they have presented. Once you believe that you are in that world and in that world, you are safe to believe whatever you want. Just don't believe anything from the real world. So on MSNBC, you get the freak out. Vladimir Putin must go no matter what the cost. And on Fox News, you get a slightly different version of the freak out. Vladimir Putin must go. But it was dangerous for Joe Biden to say that. But you don't get anything about what Vladimir Putin's goals in Ukraine actually are. Anything about the negotiations that have been taking place there that they are making progress in. Apparently, Russia has decided that they no longer need to denazify Ukraine. So that part is off the table. Likely because they have already decimated all of the Nazis in Ukraine or a great number of them, at least. But you won't get anything from the real world if you are still addicted to the central narrative. And this is the point. It's the entire point of the propaganda and the censorship create a totally false world. The censorship makes sure that nothing from the real world can get inside the bubble. And then within the bubble, you present an entirely false reality and you hammer it and hammer it and hammer it so that if anyone inside the bubble ever hears from anyone outside the bubble, the person outside the bubble is going to sound utterly insane because the people inside the bubble don't know any, any of the elements required to actually understand the bigger picture inside the bubble. Vaccines are very safe and effective, but even people inside the bubble know that they personally have had bad reactions, side effects to the vaccine. Or they know someone else who's had negative side effects. But if they talk to somebody from outside the bubble and the person outside the bubble says, yeah, those side effects are happening on a very, very widespread basis. They're killing people. They are destroying athletes hearts. They're fainting on the field. They don't know any of that. They think it's a conspiracy theory. They think that's crazy, even while knowing people who have had problems, even while having had problems themselves, it still doesn't matter because inside the bubble, the vaccines are very safe and effective and have saved lives, not destroyed lives. Now, there's no proof that vaccines have reduced the death rate from COVID or anything else whatsoever. There's no proof of that at all. And there was never proof. There was some statistical manipulation in the approval documentation at the beginning of the vaccine rollout. But now that those docs are out there, you can kind of see that they had no reason to suggest the vaccines were ever safe or effective. But it doesn't matter because the media and big tech through propaganda and censorship working in partnership will make sure that no one inside the bubble knows it. 
The real world does not exist anymore to those people. They think everything in the world is mostly fine, except for, you know, the problems with Donald Trump and Trump supporters and that evil old Vladimir Putin in Russia. So, yeah, it's a little rocky out there. And I know gas prices are really high and I can see all the illegal immigration, the inflation, the empty shelves in the stores. But the thing is, everything's going okay. The right president is in place. What a joy that we don't have to listen to Donald Trump anymore. In fact, Joe Biden would be doing a much better job if Donald Trump hadn't ruined everything. These people still believe all of that. And I want to switch subjects slightly, but with this in mind, because I want to talk about what's happening in the Senate this week. It started yesterday Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley began laying out the case against Hunter Biden and the corruption of Hunter Biden, Joe Biden and high level officials across the U.S. government. And I want to spend some time on it because it kind of got lost in the shuffle yesterday. What with the slap and the fake president saying that everything he has already said is both true and not true you decide. But this is really important, and it's the sort of thing that propaganda and censorship are designed to distract from and cover up. Because without pushing this information out on our own, there is no way that any Biden voter will ever see it or ever hear of it. They are completely in the false world when it comes to this stuff. It's not going to be on the nightly news on CNN or MSNBC, and it won't be on Fox unless Tucker decides to go after it. So we'll see about that. But keep that in mind and consider what the environment was like in late 2020 leading up to the election. Remember, Hunter Biden's laptop came out and it was immediately censored. It was immediately called Russian disinformation. At that same time, Johnson and Grassley were already releasing reports about Hunter Biden's corruption with our foreign adversaries, specifically the Chinese Communist Party. But no one knew about it because the media wouldn't report it. And then it all got called Russian disinformation. And that was enough in the false world to just switch things off. Oh, yeah, I keep hearing some stuff about Hunter Biden, but I also heard it's Russian disinformation, so it's probably nothing. And if it turns out to be something, well, surely the television will tell us. But before we get to that, I just want to tell everybody, watch Real America's Voice tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern. My friend Amanda Head and the great John Solomon, their show Just the News, they have an interview with Donald Trump. And here's a little preview, because it sounds like Trump is ready to go hard on this Hunter stuff, too. Why did the mayor of Moscow's wife give the Bidens, both of them, three and a half million dollars? That's a lot of money. She gave him three and a half million dollars. So now I would think Putin would know the answer to that. I think he should release it. I think we should know that answer. So that has the potential to get very interesting. And let's see if Putin will release that. But also consider how much is coming to the surface right now with the Hunter Biden stuff. You've got Jack Maxey out there making a lot of noise, making some news. I haven't seen him release anything new yet. 
which maybe he's leading up to something. That's fine. He said 10 days ago that by the end of last week, it would be like a different world. You're not going to believe what you're seeing. We haven't seen that yet. And maybe that's no problem. Maybe they have a plan. Maybe their plan has shifted. Trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully Jack Maxey has done great work on the laptop over this past year and a half and will have a lot to show for it in a format that people can easily understand and share so that the story of Hunter Biden can come out. What he has shown so far doesn't give me confidence that that's the route they're headed down, but we shall see. And he has people around him like Bannon and Rudy and some of these guys who were involved with the Hunter Biden laptop story at the beginning. So they might have a plan in place. Raheem Kassam might be breaking the stories for them on National Pulse. I'm open to all the possibilities. I just want the best possible job done. Now, that aside, I know for a fact that Garrett Ziegler and Marco Polo's report that's coming out will have all of that perfectly formatted, easy to understand, and incredibly in-depth. Raheem Kassam was in an interview from yesterday and said that they had probably gotten through 15 or 20% of the laptop. Now, Garrett Ziegler and Marco Polo have gone through probably 70% of the laptop. And they have focused specifically on illustrating all of the various crimes that are evidenced with information on that laptop. And they're trying to put all of those crimes with the evidence in a broader context and trying to identify and bring out who all the ancillary characters are with all of these corrupt business dealings. So you've got Maxi, you've got the Marco Polo stuff. You have Trump now asking Putin to release the information he knows about that corrupt deal with the Moscow mayor's wife, the former mayor's wife. And then you've got Johnson and Grassley going after this in the Senate. And so let's get to that right now. They each spoke for about 15 minutes. I posted both links to YouTube on the Telegram feed at t.me slash I'm your moderator. So if you want to listen to the whole thing, you can head there and find it pretty easily. Just use the search feature, Johnson, Grassley, you'll find it from today. But I want to play some clips and go through this because this stuff can be very important if people know about it, all right? We are in the real world. Let's observe what happens in the real world. And the point is to take these things that are happening in the real world and make sure that they are unavoidable by the bubble, that they break through the censorship, that people place these things alongside the propaganda they believe now, and they try to figure out for themselves which one of these stories actually sounds more substantive, which one sounds like it maps onto reality. I'm going to suggest it's this one. Not that Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation, not that Joe is a very kind and decent man who has never done anything wrong, not that Joe doesn't know anything about his son's business dealings as he claimed throughout the 2016 campaign. None of that is true. So let's go to the tape. In both reports, Senator Johnson and I made financial information public that hadn't ever been known before. Our report exposed extensive financial relationships 
between Hunter and James Biden and Chinese nationals connected to the communist regime. Most, more precisely, these were Chinese nationals connected to the Chinese government's military and intelligence's service. One of those individuals was a person by the name of Patrick Ho. According to reports, Hunter Biden said of Patrick Ho, quote, I have another New York Times reporter calling about my representation of Patrick Ho. Then Hunter Biden says the F word, denoting a spy chief of China who started a company that my partner, who is worth $323 billion, founded and is now missing. End of that quote. So Grassley's talking about the reports that they put out in 2020, well before the election. And let's take a second and go through this. This information was all available from U.S. senators well before the election. U.S. Senators Ron Johnson, chairman of the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, and Chuck Grassley, chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, released a report that revealed millions of dollars in questionable financial transactions between Hunter Biden and his associates and foreign individuals, including the wife of the former mayor of Moscow and individuals with ties to the Chinese Communist Party. These were just some of the findings from their investigation into potential conflicts of interest arising from Hunter Biden accepting a position on the board of and taking millions of dollars from Burisma, a Ukrainian energy company with a longstanding reputation for corruption, while his father, Joe Biden, was vice president and the public face of the Obama administration's handling of Ukraine policy. Findings from the chairman's investigation include. In early 2015, Deputy Chief of Mission at the U.S. Embassy in Kiev, Ukraine, George Kent, raised concerns to officials in Vice President Joe Biden's office about the perception of a conflict of interest with respect to Hunter Biden's role on Burisma's board. Kent's concerns went unaddressed, and in September 2016, he emphasized in an email to his colleagues, Furthermore, the presence of Hunter Biden on the Burisma board was very awkward for all U.S. officials pushing an anti-corruption agenda in Ukraine. In October 2015, senior State Department official Amos Hochstein raised concerns with Vice President Biden, as well as with Hunter Biden, that Hunter Biden's position on Burisma's board enabled Russian disinformation efforts and risked undermining U.S. policy in Ukraine. Again, This was all available in 2020. Hunter Biden was serving on Burisma's board, supposedly consulting on corporate governance and transparency when Burisma owner Mikola Zlochevsky allegedly paid a $7 million bribe to officials serving under Ukraine's prosecutor general, Vitaly Urema, to shut the case against Zlochevsky. George Kent testified that this bribe occurred in December 2014, seven months after Hunter Biden joined Burisma's board. And after learning about it, he and resident legal advisor reported this allegation to the FBI. 
In addition to the over $4 million paid by Burisma to Hunter Biden and his business partner, Devin Archer, for membership on the board, Hunter, his family, and Archer received millions of dollars from foreign nationals with questionable backgrounds. And Archer has recently been found guilty of various corruption charges and was sentenced last month. That's Hunter Biden's partner, Devin Archer. Devin Archer received $142,300 from Kengis Rakeshev of Kazakhstan, purportedly for a car. The same day, Vice President Joe Biden appeared with Ukrainian Prime Minister Arsemi Yesenyuk and addressed Ukrainian legislators in Kyiv regarding Russia's actions in Crimea. Hunter Biden received a $3.5 million wire transfer from Elena Batarina. Miss Batarina is the wife, widow, of the former mayor of Moscow. Hunter Biden had business associations with Yi Jianming, Gong Wendong, and other Chinese nationals linked to the communist government and People's Liberation Army. Those associations resulted in millions of dollars in questionable transactions. Hunter Biden opened a bank account with Gong Wendong that financed a $100,000 global spending spree with James Biden and Sarah Biden. Hunter Biden also moved millions of dollars from his law firm to James Biden's and Sarah Biden's firm. Upon being questioned about the transaction, Sarah Biden refused to provide supporting documentation and information to more clearly explain the activity. The bank subsequently closed the account. Hunter Biden paid non-resident women who were nationals of Russia or other Eastern European countries and who appear to be linked to an, quote, Eastern European prostitution or human trafficking ring, end quote. As outlined in Senate Resolution 70, the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee has the express authority to, quote, study or investigate the efficiency and economy of operations of all branches of government, including the possible existence of corruption or unethical practices and conflicts of interest. The Senate Finance Committee has broad jurisdiction over the United States government and the Department of Treasury and the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, which includes oversight jurisdiction over potential financial crimes. Now, I read this on the podcast in 2020, and I also shared it with all sorts of people in Los Angeles who thought I was crazy. I had lost my mind. And that's what they call you if they can't call you stupid. But they didn't care. Because the first thing they do is say this can't be true because the television would tell us if it was. And then they say, well, these are Republicans. We can't believe it from them. They're just trying to create a political advantage. And then you say, hey, do you apply that same standard to Adam Schiff? And they're like, well, no, but you do. You don't believe Adam Schiff because he's a Democrat. I don't believe Johnson and Grassley because they're Republicans. It's the same thing. And I would point out, no. It's actually not the same thing because there's proof on one of the sides and the other side, there's no proof and there's never been any proof given. And in fact, if you looked into it, you would actually know that rather than Adam Schiff being this heroic do-gooder, he's actually just lying. You could actually know that by researching any of his claims, <laughs> but things were so different in 2020. We were all so innocent back then. There was no way to know after the failed Russian collusion hoax and the failed Robert Mueller investigation and the first failed impeachment hoax that perhaps people like Adam Schiff 
weren't really telling the truth. People like Michael Avenatti on CNN weren't really telling the truth. It was all a mystery. Everything they said sounded so true. It felt so true. And that's what's the most important is, is whether or not it feels true to people who don't know anything. Welcome to life inside the bubble. So they deny the truth of the information and they don't even think about the consequences. What would it mean if all of this was true? Well, what it would mean if all that is true is that you are about to vote for a man who has been selling his office to our foreign adversaries for years and doing so in criminal fashion. Not that it's not criminal to sell your office to foreign adversaries by itself, but the criminality around it expanded far beyond just the simple corruption and the pay to play schemes. But they didn't care because the TV didn't tell them. The TV said Donald Trump was very dangerous. The TV says that Michael Avenatti and Adam Schiff and Robert Mueller, well, they're about to come out with the silver bullet. And once that silver bullet happens, oh, Trump will be done after that. That's how most of those people lived for five years. And honestly, many of them still do. Many of them are clueless as to why Trump is even still a thing. He's not president anymore. Why do people still go to his rallies? Why are they always reporting on what Trump did? Why is Trump still pretending the obviously stolen election was stolen? What a sore loser. Imagine being like that for all this time with the knowledge that I have and the knowledge that you have, knowing that all of this truth will be made public in a way that they'll actually accept and understand, or at least they'll accept the fact that everyone else accepts it. And that's when their brains are going to break. But imagine being one of these people inside the bubble. All of this stuff sounds crazy to them, even though absolutely all of it is true. That's insane. That's the sort of thought process and the sort of derangement that would lead a man to thinking that an open marriage is probably going to be really successful. It's the sort of thing you might go slap a comedian for after he makes an alopecia joke on behalf of Pfizer. It's the sort of thing that might make you cry while accepting a tiny statue saying that you've been victimized for so long and then you head to an after party and dance around to show everybody how good a mood you're in. It's that kind of crazy. But let's get back to Johnson and Grassley. CEFC operated under the guise of a private company, but for all intents and purposes to uh, as an arm of the Chinese government. Hunter Biden and James Biden served as the perfect vehicle by which the communist Chinese government could gain inroads here in the United States through CEFC and its affiliates. And these inroads were focused on Chinese advancement into the global and U.S. energy sector. sector. Hunter and James Biden were more than happy to go along, of course, for the right price. So Joe and Hunter Biden, the corrupt Biden crime family, 
And obviously in league with Barack Obama, the Clintons and people like Nancy Pelosi, Mitt Romney, John Kerry, they are all actively trying to help China achieve its goals in the Belt and Road Initiative. And the Belt and Road Initiative, the Chinese Communist Party's Belt and Road Initiative, is basically their way of economically taking over different parts of the world by building up infrastructure in resource-rich nations and making sure that that infrastructure connects back to the Chinese mainland so that China can own the resources in foreign countries because they're developing the resources. They're extracting the resources. They're transporting the resources. They're making those resources available to the global market. They're doing so much good for everyone. And when you consider that the American politicians going along with this are all in thrall to the global communist world order, you can see how the Chinese Communist Party fits into that plan, all working together to make sure the people at the top own everything. You'll own nothing and like it. And we will usher in the end of human freedom. This is a portion of a document that we, meaning Senator Johnson and I, will release in full. The topic of this poster shows a wire transaction, August 4th, 2017, from CEFC to Wells Fargo Clearing Services for $100,000. Now look at the bottom of the poster. This is the underlying data of this transaction. It states, quote, further credit to Owasco. End of quote. Owasco is Hunter Biden's firm. Now, there doesn't, there is no middleman in this transaction. This is $100,000 from what is effectively an arm of the communist Chinese government direct to Hunter Biden. They are taking payoffs directly from the Chinese Communist Party, and no one inside the bubble knows it. No one is ever told about it. They will never hear about what happened in the Senate yesterday. And I think Johnson and Grassley are going at it again today and tomorrow and perhaps beyond that. But they don't know any of it. And why don't they know? So a second question. Question to the liberal media and my Democrat colleagues who accused us over the last two years of distributing Russian disinformation. Is this official bank document Russian disinformation? Now, beyond this document, in future speeches, Senator Johnson and I will show you more transfers between and among such companies as CEFC, Northern International Capital, Hudson West 3, Hunter Biden's Owasco, and James Biden's Lion Hall Group. The mainstream media, with the help of prominent Democrats, 
pretended that all of this was Russian disinformation. That is what they told the people inside the bubble and the people inside the bubble believed it because they're incentivized to believe it because they are so sure that they are right all the time that they will just shove stuff like this aside. It doesn't matter. It couldn't have happened. There's no way anyone on their side could be such a bad person to do all this. Therefore, they didn't. And then even upon accepting that this stuff might be true, they'll just move to saying, well, okay, but look what Donald Trump did. If we didn't get rid of Donald Trump, it would be much worse. And that sounds smart inside the bubble. Because all the smart people inside the bubble say it, you know, the smart people, just like everybody else inside the bubble, they're all smart. That's why they're in that very special bubble. Can't you see how well they're doing in the world? Can't you see how wealthy they are? Can't you see how happy and healthy they are? Can't you see what beautiful families they have? Now, do those things actually describe the people in the bubble? No, they're shoving vaccines into everyone they can see. It's madness in there. It's chaos. It may well be hell on earth, but they like it. So let's hear a bit from Ron Johnson. Investigation into the vast web of foreign financial entanglements of the Biden family. Those attacks have had one goal in mind to cover up the extent to which President Biden might be and almost certainly is compromised. Over the course of our investigation into how Hunter Biden used his father's position and name to enrich himself and his family, the dishonest press published countless stories reporting on the Democrats' false charge that Senator Grassley and I were soliciting and disseminating Russian disinformation. Once we issued our September and November 2020 reports, which were based almost exclusively on U.S. source documents and interviews with U.S. citizens, the media largely ignored it. When they did write a story, they declared that our reports found nothing new, a classic media cover-up. I've always said the bias in the media has revealed far more in what they don't report than what they actually do report. But all the false attacks did not deter us. We have continued to uncover the truth, and fortunately, our reports also served as a catalyst for others to come forward and for more investigative journalists to keep digging. The American people deserve the truth. Now, I think it's really interesting that one of the ways they cover up stories is by saying there's nothing new here. It's basically nothing to see here. Yeah, they put out this report. Republicans, they're pouncing on this report. You know, when Republicans pounce, they're pouncing all over. it. But there's nothing new here, which means there's nothing important. Because when it was new, when it was new the first time, we told you it was no big deal. In fact, we debunked it. We called it a conspiracy theory. We wrote an article or two or 10 about how they were making baseless claims and they were probably doing the bidding of Russians. And there was no evidence for what they were saying. People have made attacks like this many times in the past. So this one, you should understand 
can't be true. Hunter Biden is the smartest man Joe knows. And Joe doesn't know anything about Hunter's dealings. So how can any of it be true? And in the false world, none of it is because they'll never hear about it again. For example, listen to what New York Times journalist Nicholas Fandos said about our report. Quote, lack of meaningful new information, unquote. And again, quote, overlap with the Russian disinformation campaign, unquote. The then Democrat minority leader was quoted saying about a report, quote, as if Putin wrote it, not United States senators. A Democrat senator described our investigation as being, quote, rooted in disinformation, end quote, from Russian operatives. Separately, a Democrat senator also said about a report, quote, bottom line, the Johnson-Grassley investigation is baseless. It is laundering Russian propaganda for circulation in the U.S., unquote. But of course, all those quotes were disinformation. Disinformation designed to distract all of us from the truth. Senator Grassley reiterated, our reports were based almost exclusively on government records from the Obama administration and transcribed interviews of government officials. Now, I know we've all come to expect some level of dishonesty and corruption from our politicians. We think it's just part of the game. I am not one of the people who thinks that, by the way. I have been in my life one of those people. But now seeing how big the problem is, I do not make that excuse for public officials anymore. Like politicians should not be allowed to be corrupt. They should not be allowed to lie to the people. The problem is there's no recourse for the people when we don't have fair and legitimate elections. And that's what makes election fraud the biggest problem in our society. You can't get rid of corrupt and dishonest officials. So this is what we're left with. U.S. senators, powerful U.S. senators like Chuck Schumer, who he mentioned, who will call their fellow senators Russian assets to distract from the fact that they are bringing up actual documentation and proof of corruption at the highest levels in our government. They will make themselves complicit in the corruption. And of course, they already are. But they'll make themselves complicit. They will extend the lie further just to cover it all up. That's who we're dealing with in Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff. These people are legitimately traitors to the country. You got to understand how big a deal this Hunter Biden stuff is. Okay, it's not because it's Hunter and it's not because there's salacious information and pictures and videos on the hard drive about prostitutes and drug use. There are all those things about being inappropriate with children. All of that is there. It's all there and it's all awful. But the stuff we're talking about is proof of corruption at the very highest level. They're taking their position that is ostensibly assigned by the people to serve the people. And they are reaping personal profit, benefit, and reward by doing the bidding of the global communist order, by doing the bidding of other foreign adversaries. This is about as bad as you can be as a politician. These are crimes against the country. They need to be taken seriously. You can't just excuse this by calling it Russian disinformation. And the people inside the bubble shouldn't either. 
The question that always needs to be asked in conversation with these people is, okay, let's say just for the sake of this discussion, let's say I'm right. What would that mean? Well, that would mean that the person you voted for, the person who was installed in a fraudulent election, that would mean that person has been selling out the country for his entire lifetime. And you chose that. So let's use that as a starting point so that we can both be clear on what the magnitude of these claims actually is. And then you go ahead and prove to yourself or to me how none of this is true. Go for it. That's the conversation we should be having. Except none of them will answer that conversation. They'll say you're stupid or you're crazy or you just love Trump or I'm sorry you're so confused. Why are you still such a sore loser? Okay, Kami, go with that. They actually tried to tie Johnson and Grassley to a Russian agent named Andre Durkacz that neither of them had ever met or heard of. That's how far they went. They actually proposed a person who could have been the go-between with Vladimir Putin and these two longtime Republican senators. And that's always a good strategy for them because everybody then begins chasing the new wild goose. Oh, we got to figure out how, who Andre Durkacz is. We got to figure out how he connects to all this stuff. Well, that's a trail leading nowhere. And Johnson goes on to talk about how much more elaborate this cover-up plot became. They started staging unnecessary briefings so that they could leak the details of those briefings and use those leaks to refute what Johnson and Grassley were doing. No government entity ever warned us that our investigation into the Biden family's financial deals was connected to any kind of Russian disinformation campaign because it wasn't. But again, the substance of that FBI briefing was later leaked and contorted to smear us, which was exactly why we suspect we were given the unsolicited briefing in the first place. Those briefers promised confidentiality. Clearly, that confidentiality was breached and resulted in another smear operation on Senator Grassley and I to deflect allegations of corruption and conflict of interests that could compromise a President Biden. And we saw this sort of thing throughout the Russian collusion hoax, although a slightly different version of it. Adam Schiff would have his intelligence committee briefings, and then he would tell people that because he was on the intelligence committee, he knew a bunch of things that no one else knew. And then he could speak and say, well, we have some classified information that says X, Y, Z, and no one could get the classified information. And he can't get in trouble for it because he's speaking in his capacity as a congressman. It is all a simple propaganda game to distract from the real story and create an entirely second reality. Senior Democrats and liberal media cooperated to, sme to smear me and Senator Grassley with false accusations of receiving and spreading Russian disinformation. They created documents, leaked them, asked for briefings, and then leaked those too. And then they themselves disseminated Russian disinformation. 
you, you can't make this up. Fortunately, they failed to discredit our investigation because we stayed true to government records. We stayed true to the facts and the evidence. And the evidence is stunning and it is growing. Over the next few days, Senator Grassley and I will come to the floor to present additional evidence that has not yet been made public. These records show extensive connections between the Biden family and elements of the communist Chinese regime. We're talking high dollar transactions, some of which we've already highlighted in our September and November 2020 reports. But our speeches will introduce new financial documents into the record for all to see. Now, we expect Democrats and the media to, conti to continue to use their power to smear us and cover up for the Bidens. But the truth has a power of its own, and we intend to continue to reveal the truth. So I'm going to have an eye on this all week. This is what's happening in the real world. Don't get stuck on their playing field. If they were interested in coming out of the bubble, they already would have done it. At this point, if they want to stay in the false reality, let them. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!